two, one, roll the footage. Welcome back. I'm Simon Severino, your host. And today we talk emotional fitness, why it's essential for productivity and job satisfaction, how stress can be good for performance and how to measure emotional fitness. I am glad to have back here Paul Zak because since the last time, every other guest was talking about his work. So you have to be here. The OG of trust of oxytocin, il cervello economico. Welcome, Paul Zak. <laughs> Thank you so much, Simon. A little Italian behind me just for you. Yes. Are you in Italy right now? I'm not, but I was in Sicily just two weeks ago. It's a lovely time. Kind of hot, as you know. Oh, yes. We had 120 Fahrenheit down there. It was fun. Yeah, it was fun. What is emotional fitness? So I um, use the term emotional fitness to talk about how we can build up our capacity to take the unfortunate blows that life hits us, uh, negative blows. So to me, wellness is a kind of a zero one variable. I'm either well or unwell, but fitness, we know from the literature, I can build up my capacity to really flourish um, basically by controlling four things. So sleep, diet, exercise, all those are easy to measure. And we've launched in the last month an app that neurologically measures your emotional fitness. And that is driven by the value that your brain gets from social emotional experiences. The value of social connections radically extends our health span. So just to be clear, in the literature, uh, it's more important to have a rich social network to extend your life than it is to quit smoking. That's how important this is. And yet we have not had a measurement tool until now to objectively measure your emotional fitness. Does it count if I have a huge online network? I meet them in Zoom. That's a great question. And actually from a brain perspective, like right now I'm getting value from this conversation, even though we're across the planet from each other. It's like, um, I mean, Simon, you and I have never done this because we're too macho, but I've heard that people occasionally cry at movies. What's that about, right? Like, <laughs> you know, you're cognitively intact, you know, it's a fictional story, you know, these are professional actors, but at the end of the movie, when the boy gets the girl, people cry. That tells you about the social emotional value of that connection. And in fact, in my book, Immersion, oh, there it is. Um, you know, at the end, I talk about uh, findings that show we can build our emotional fitness when we connect to others, when we have friendships, when we uh, go to happy hour and laugh, when we spend time with our friends, we're building up our capacity to be more connected, to be emotionally healthier. And then importantly, the reason for this is that if we look at, you know, all the things that have been killing humans in the last hundred years, half those were infectious diseases. We got rid of all those, right? Antibiotics, cleanliness. What's killing us now is heart attacks, cancer. Well, that's a lifestyle issue and because we're just living longer, but it's now mental health disorders, anxiety, depression, suicide are really epidemic. They are exploding partially, I think, because there's a lot of stress in society, but also because we don't have this tool to know how is my emotional fitness? Should I talk to someone now? Should I be on medication? Right? Where am I going and how do I actually manage my own emotional health? 
and you have a lab and you have an institute and you have actually found a way how to measure emotional fitness. We'll get there in a moment. But I'm still curious, what is going on? Is this a recent phenomenon? Are we more alone right now? Because personally, I feel much more connected. With one click, I'm in Los Angeles. With one click, I'm talking to every village on the planet. I have more friends. My wife says, no, it's not real friends, Simon. It's Twitter. But I say, yeah, but I'm talking to them in such an intimate and genuine way that I cannot do in this street here. So like every good question, the answer is yes and no. So in some sense, we have many more weak connections, but there's evidence, at least in the US, and I think this holds uh, around the world as well, that we have fewer strong connections. So two weeks ago, um, the Centers for Disease Control in the US came out with a report showing that loneliness in the last 10 years um, has increased by 50%. People say they don't have someone who knows them well, they don't have close friends, and loneliness, as I said earlier, it really uh, shortens our length of life and our quality of life. And so those, those online connections, our Facebook friends, if you will, are okay, and this is better. So I th think of that bandwidth. If I'm posting on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, I get a little bit of feedback when my people give me a thumbs up or something. This is good. My brain's gonna get a lot of value from this, but seeing you in person, hanging out, having a glass of wine, much better, right? Absolutely. So this is what's happening. And I've seen that um, North America alone has an increase in people having pets. Our pets are new friends, our new, our new family. That's a great question. Uh, my 20-year-old daughter asked me the other day, Dad, who's your best friend? Which is a kind of a weird question when you're older, right? Like, we don't really, like, I have friends. And I said, you know, it really depends on, like, what's the definition of best? Who do I spend the most time with? And I said, you know, if I talk about the creature I spend the most time with, it's my dog. Because mm -hmm. my dog's sitting here at my feet, we're talking to my dog. You know, it's okay to talk to a dog. You're not a crazy person. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So actually, from a neurologic perspective, we get a lot of value from hanging out with pets, dogs in particular. We've actually published research showing this. Cats kind of okay. And then everything kind of goes down from there. Horses and gerbils and whatever else people have at home. Snakes. Um, so, yeah, dogs are, are great a semi-substitute for friends. And everybody's asking me, because we are sales coaches, everybody's asking me, Simon, how can I, in Zoom, create a situation that's more safe for the buyer, that's less risky, because it's always risky? And is there anything that I can do to make the space more safe, more real, more you know, genuine, and less, well, less risky? Also, great question. So the components of emotional fitness are number one, psychological safety. Am I comfortable around these humans? So that's the sort of, um, you know, the friction that we may have from being around humans. I want to have that be low enough. And the other component is, am I really connecting from an emotional perspective? Right? Do I feel like this person cares about me? We're having a good conversation. Those, those sort of two dimensions. Do I have enough psychological safety? So are the humans driving me crazy, low psychological safety, or are they giving me joy, uh, high immersion? So those are the two factors that we track. Um, and so, yeah, you're right. So what can you do online? One is slow down a little bit, right? So do the thing that we did before we went on air, Simon, right? We chatted a little bit with each other. Yeah, how's you, how are you doing? How's your family? 
So we feel like often because we're scheduling these video conference meetings that we have to like get right to it and we only have an hour and we got to get going. But, at, you know, if you saw the person in the office, you would say, oh, how, how are your kids doing? Oh, yeah, what in college? Wow, that's crazy. And so have that kind of normal human um, chit chat that actually is bonding. And then the second is camera on, eye contact, right? So really being present. But what I do in meetings, physical meetings is I make sure I say, hey, you guys, let's turn our phones off. And I put my phone down on top of the table, right? We're going to be present here. We're not going to be distracted. So same kind of thing, like, hey, you know what, everybody, let's turn our, our phones on silent and let's really focus on the next uh, 30 minutes on this important meeting. So really kind of setting the stage for being together and being focused on what we're doing. And then lastly, letting people participate, right? So sometimes we think that's not true. Sometimes we act when we're leading a meeting, like we have to be the, the band leader in charge, but we can let the meeting kind of flow, right? So if I'm just passive and sitting here and you're talking at me for the next 30 minutes, gosh, it's not very interesting. And so from a brain perspective, when we measure neurologic immersion, people tune out, right? So um, one of the the longest term users of our immersion platform, Accenture, it's been very public about this, has broken their training down into 20 minute segments. Mm. Segments People cannot stay immersed for more than 20 minutes without a change. So I think for, they told me for uh, video conference meetings, it's more like 12 minutes, maybe 15. So think of this sort of, sort of 10, 12 minute segments where I'm really gonna switch tasks to get that brain re-engaged to feel comfortable, but also feel like I am participating. I'm not just, a passive observer. I love this. Um, every Monday I meet my community and it's 15 minutes, 15 minutes, 15 minutes, the work that we do. We, we, we're just feeling that it's, it's, it's better. Um, you have the data, you know what's actually better. Uh, stress is not just sometimes good, it can actually improve performance. So is stress, is stress rehabilitated? Yes. So there's a kind of a core finding in biology in which almost all neurologic responses are this kind of inverted U curve. So from a, a engagement perspective, an immersion perspective, if I have no stress, this is your brother-in-law sits on the couch and uh, drinks beer and watches soccer all day, right? He's understressed, right? That's not good for him. It's not good for anybody. And on the other end of that inverted yield curve is someone who's, you know, working 100 hours a week and pulling their hair out, also not good. But when you look at performance, cognition, memory, moderate stress increases all those things. Mm -hmm. So what we want to do is have challenges, have a, a reason to be really focused, to draw on all my cognitive resources and my social resources, right? The people around me, my colleagues, people can help me solve this problem, having deadlines, having clear goals. Actually, that increases neurologic immersion. I'm really into this thing. And what we know is that when I have those goals and I reach them, my job satisfaction goes up. So again, I think there's this complicated relationship between satisfaction and performance. And the literature suggests it's not that more satisfied or happier employees are more productive. It's that more productive employees are happier. So let's give employees an opportunity to meet challenges, to really hit goals, right? To do hard but achievable tasks. That's what gives us this sense of satisfaction. And now we come to the part, you have the real data, you have the real labs, and you have found out how people can actually measure emotional fitness, their emotional fitness, their employees' emotional fitness. Let's go to the meaty part after one word from our sponsors. 
What if your business would run well even when you are on vacation? Discover how 1,600 business owners have regained their freedom using the Strategies Prints blueprints. How they enjoy living their dream and watching their business scale. Get the exact checklists they use to go from stressed to fulfilled using the Strategies Prints method. Order your copy of Strategies Prints 12 Ways to Accelerate Growth for an Agile Business on Amazon today. And if you love it, leave us a review. For more information, head over to strategiesprints.com. We can actually measure stuff. How can we do that? So I'm going to show you my live uh, emotional fitness. So sorry. That's 94. circle. Says that 94 out of 100. So it says relative to my baseline, which I got this morning, I'm getting a lot more value from this conversation than I am at just my normal baseline. And my background is winter. So I'm kind of stressed talking to you, but I'm, you know, I'm sort of performing. I'm, you know, that's kind of appropriate, but I can see that uh, every day. So what we're doing is we're pulling data from the cranial nerves and we have uh, published thresholds now that tell us when I get enough social emotional interaction that I'm building up this emotional fitness. So we've created an app, which is free on uh, the app store. It's called Tuesday so that you have the best Tuesday ever every day of the week. Um, so people can download it and you have a ring to close every day to give you goals to build up your emotional fitness. There's AI built in, so it's gonna learn about you. It's gonna change that goal so you continue to move up that rank. You have gamification, you can share this with others. You can form groups so we can support each other to improve emotional fitness. So for me, Simon, I think this is the most important thing I've ever done in my life, which is um, really thoughtfully spent you know, many, many years identifying how our brains get value from social and emotional situations and then really convincing my company to make this free for users. Let's really work on this mental health um, crisis. Let's give people the tools to manage their own emotional fitness, to understand other people's emotional fitness and alert individuals when they're really getting low in emotional fitness to use resiliency resources to help them get out of this trough before they lead into anxiety or depression. I had my phone turned off, but I'm turning it on right now because I want to download it and, and share with the with the audience what's popping up. And and meanwhile, while the phone comes back up, um, what are the topics in those groups when they meet? What are their questions? What are they talking about? Uh, when people form groups to sustain yeah. emotional fitness. So we, the data is anonymized. So we want to make sure that you own your own data because this is potentially sensitive data. Um, businesses can pay to see their employees data, anonymized, aggregated data to assess whether they're creating emotionally fit workplaces. Um, but in the groups, you can form groups. It won't tell you who that person is, but you can send them messages of support if you see them either low on psychological safety or low on social emotional connection. You can give them a thumbs up, a heart, you can write a little message. And so we know that human beings um, can regulate their emotions socially. And so if I'm feeling down, I wanna be able to reach out. Well, this tool now gives us an opportunity to anonymous, anonymously support those who we already know are close to us and make sure we know how well they're doing. Um, so we've found in published research that we can um, identify 
whether you're happy or sad, whether you have low energy or high energy, with 98% accuracy. And we actually can predict what mood you'll be in two days in advance um, with statistical significance. Yeah, so it's really interesting data. It's very rich. And you know, for uh, companies that are worried about the health of their workforce, we think a lot about physical health, but that emotional health is important. And Simon, here's the most important thing. Have you noticed there's no more babies, right? Mm -hmm. The entire world, exception yeah. of Africa's aging, we are running out of people. Yeah. And so I need and you need to keep the people working for us physically healthy, emotionally healthy, so they keep working and they work for us and not one of our competitors. And so we're seeing a lot of uptake by corporate wellness programs that go, oh, holy crap, we've always thought about, well, you know, I don't want to make sure you don't get a nail in your hand while you work. We haven't thought about whether you're building up that emotional fitness, whether you can actually show up at work every day and be in that inverted U-curve where you're focused, you're really getting a lot done, you're getting a satisfaction from your job, you're producing a lot, you feel great about it, you're a great teammate. Have I pushed you too far over that curve? Have I pushed you into burnout stage where you go, you know what, I'm done, I can't do this anymore, right? We don't want that. We wanna modulate that emotional fitness. Now again, from the company's perspective, they don't see your data, your data is owned by you, but they will see aggregated data. It's also a great way to assess wellness programs. So, so many companies um, I talk to and you talk to have all these nice wellness programs and almost nobody uses them, right? So now you can be alerted by a piece of technology that says, hey, privately, hey, employee X, you're kind of in a trough here. Um, time to use some resiliency resources. And I've advocated that businesses encourage employees to do this on the clock. Use a 15-minute meditation app. Um, do a do a take a 20-minute nap in the nap room. Um, take a walk around the building. Uh, phone a friend. I'd rather have pay for that. That's a great 20-minute investment in that employee's emotional health than grind this person down until they either can't work or won't work. I'm curious. First, I'm curious why you are in winter right now. So I'm thinking, what can I do with the next guest to have them not winter so much? We can just breathe a little bit. Exactly. And the second, and take more time, you know, in the in the pre-show. And also right. um, drink, drink more tea with them. And then also, I'm curious, are you learning? Like you're using this, it's on your side, you are meeting people where you think, oh, this is a good meeting, but then it's telling you, oh, this is not so good on your system. Right, so it reminds me of this, um, I think it was Plato who said, the unreflected life is not worth living. So because this app links to your calendar, it'll tell you the best hours and the worst hours of your day. Mm. And you can reflect on that and go, oh yeah, I thought my, my uh, podcast with Simon was amazing. Eh, it was kind of so-so. Why was that? Was was mm -hmm. I too tired? Was I not um, um, interesting enough? What, whatever um, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. So we can really have a chance to reflect on that, and then really look, you know, uh, kind of minute by minute, hour by hour, to build up and do the things that give us joy, that bring us happiness, and then begin to avoid those things if we can, that we can't um, kind of, you know. It kind of bring us down, which is not so useful. So the the app will actually gives you a time series, if you can see. But mm -hmm. uh, you know, three like now. Nice. Yeah, yeah, I can see it. You know, this is actually live. I can see it minute by minute, yeah. and then look at that. 
And then uh, at the end of the day, yeah, I'll have this nice calendar that'll pop up and it'll say, oh, you know, your best hours were obviously it's on as 820 California time. So between eight and 10, by far the best part of your day being on the podcast with Simon, right? So um, don't you want to know that? I, I want to know, like, what's the best part of my day? What's the I worst part of my day? Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, we have so many sales questions. So how valuable is this for a sales team to review a day and say, oh, look, I thought I had a great conversation at 10 a.m. It wasn't great. What is it? What makes the difference? Was it my questions? Was it how I prepared? Exactly. And, and then flipping that around and asking, if I have this over the course of a couple months, what generally are my best times? So we know that people have their own chronotype, right? Morning mm -hmm. people. My, so mm -hmm. Maybe my best time to sell is 8 to 10 because I'm a morning mm -hmm. person. Uh, or, or maybe it's in the afternoon because I'm a, an evening person. So really kind of learning about your own circadian rhythms, how we engage, what we're doing. Um, so you, we asked about pets earlier. I think one of the reasons, uh, you know, these data are interesting is that pets in the office give us a little boost. Mm -hmm. And so at least in the US, there's been this big push to allow people to bring at least dogs to the office. Um, I think it's super smart. Um, again, I'm, I'm a cheap guy, Simon, you know me. So, uh, you know, if, if I can have a little space for dogs in the office and that's going to increase people's emotional fitness, God, let's do that. This is beautiful. And it's so important because we have, as you, as you say, many weak con connections, we have more, um, possibilities, but do we really feel what is in alignment and what is good for us. I think this can help intentionally reviewing, learning about yourself, what is in alignment, when are you most alive, when you are most you, when you are in your summer. What's better, the spring or the summer in your app? Uh, yeah, summer is the best and then fall is, means you're moderately stressed and then winter means you know, you're, you're kind of really stressed. And so I think we, we've had, as you said really nicely earlier, there's been sort of a fetish on stress as the problem in our lives. But if you actually look at the data, maybe it's five to 7% of the people have an issue with chronic stress. For most of us, it's episodic. I'm stressed out because I got a deadline that goes away. That's fine. That's, that's life. You have no stress, you're not living, right? Again, that's your brother-in-law who just drinks beer all day. Um, so what we're capturing is, yeah, the stress response, we want to make sure that's, that's you know, over time, moderate, not zero. But are you thriving? Are you engaged in life? That's what we're measuring here with emotional fitness. Am I excited about something? Am I, do I have people to do stuff with? Am I going out? Am I getting energy? So this neurologic state immersion captures the value that we get neurologically from engaging in life. And so if I'm just sitting in a bubble, you know, and, and uh, yeah, I don't know, and people feed me food and I sit on my couch all day, that person's not thriving, right? They're not killing it. So we need that kind of stress that uh, quality. So um, about 10 years ago, I was on a TV show and they wanted to introduce me in an exciting way. This is on trust. And uh, so uh, they said, we're going to take you tandem uh, uh, skydiving, which I never, I'm super tall. So I have a, a, you know, tall people have a high center of gravity. So I'm always unstable anyway. I'm like, I never really wanted to skydive. I took my blood before and after. This is a great gig to show trusting your life to a stranger. And you know, it was amazing. And since then, it I got, got rid of my fear of heights and I've been skydiving a bunch of times. I love it. But it's really challenging. You got to think a lot. You got to be plugged in. But when you're out there, it is like pure heaven. Like you are 
you're Superman, you're floating. You don't feel like you're falling. You're just, if you've done this, you're floating. And so, yeah, that's stressful. Or going to the gym, right? That's stressful, physiologically stressful. Why would I go to the gym? Well, I'm, stre I'm stressing my body to build up my physical fitness. We need to do the same thing with moderate stressors or short-term stressors to build our emotional fitness. One thing our community is discussing is the cold plunges. There are two schools. One say, oh, it's the holy grail. Everybody has to do it, even my kids. And then there's the other side that said, I still don't see the evidence. I still don't feel it. It's just stressful. Do, do you have some data on this? Um, I don't have data on this, although I have reviewed it. And I'm in the school of if it helps you, great. So most of us have enough stress in our life that we don't really need the cold plunge, in my mm. view. I'm, I'm, I'm challenged every day. And I'm physically fit. I'm walking. I'm working out. Look how happy I am. So I'm 85. I'm stressed still, but I'm, I'm really happy talking to you. Um, so if, you, if you're just kind of maybe sedentary and you're not doing a lot of work, yeah, the cold plunge is great and certainly um, induces uh, this kind of immune response, a stress response that helps clear out older cells. But if you're hiking, if you're exercising, your body's doing that anyway. You have this flushing out system anyway. So um, I think a lot of it is psychological. I like the um, ability to do things that are impossible and doing it. Like getting in a tub of ice water, It's I've done it. It's awful. It's really awful. But also stepping out of an airplane at 12,000 feet is kind of awful. But if you can kind of convince yourself, I need to do this, you kind of grow. So if it's a growth opportunity, yes, go for it. So we download the, the, the app. It's called Tuesday. Yes. Then we link it to our calendar. So now we have to manage our calendar. So we have to write also yoga in the calendar, running in the calendar, etc. Right? Correct. It's, it's good and, for people and, like me who have everything in their calendar. That's fine. Right. So, uh, and the others will have to will have to update their calendar a bit more. Or you can make live notes. So if something really interesting happens, you can just make a note in the app that says if you if you're not using your calendar a lot, like oh, I was on a podcast assignment, and then I can just see you know was it good or bad for me. Um, you do need a supported wearable. So again, we're in the prediction business. So Apple Watch, Whoop, Halo, all those are supported. Uh, because we're pulling data from the cranial nerve, this is a brain's output file to assess a second by second how valuable an experience is to you neurologically. Oh, now oh. I'm in fall, so I'm happy and I'm less stressed. Isn't that nice? Look, what happened? <laughs> you know, yes. I love you. I love being on the show <laughs> with you. So, so much fun. Okay, so I have to upgrade my game. I need an Apple Watch or some wearable because I don't have that. But I will upgrade just to have this app because it sounds amazing. And, and, you know, I'm a big friend of reconnecting to our needs versus our wants. So to the reality of the body, the reality of the moment, which is so much simpler. And it's either it's summer or it's not summer, right? And mm. I've realized this being um you know an alpha person but then i became a father and when i spend time with my kids it's a different thing it's here and now there is nothing else and it's grounding and so we all we are all in this uh you know building building world and entrepreneurs world and enterprise world 
how great is it to have a supporting uh, thing, something that tells us still some, you know, data reality. Hey, yeah, 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 but your body is in winter. Yeah, it's really teaching ourselves to be present, to be present and emotionally open. And we have published research very recently in a scientific journal showing that for individuals who are more, more socially connected, who give more to others, who are in helping professions, um, they not only live longer, they live healthier. And this is really important that we can train ourselves to really connect to those around us. And Simon, I should say for, for full disclosure, I'm a big introvert. I can spend 12 hours in my lab by myself and be completely happy. But because of this research I've done over so many decades, I invest now more in relationships, right? I spend time with people and build up those social relationships because they're vitally important to my own emotional health, emotional happiness. And so I think I've become a much happier person because of that. So um, 10 years ago, I turned 50. I had four surprise birthday parties. Not because I'm such a wonderful person, but because I had invested in all these relationships and I go, oh, it's a big birthday. We're gonna so that's amazing, right? Think of the the kind of love I'm feeling from all these people who independently had a nice birthday party for me. So that's you know, that's just an example of that social connection, but it requires an investment. This is beautiful. And and I've had a similar experience, and I think COVID was helpful for many uh of us to realize how important it is and how how interconnected we are and how much it's 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 missing when we're when when we aren't uh, we are much more dependent than we think yes so where can people follow you read about your work where's the best place to follow you a couple places uh, thank you for asking uh, getimmersion.com has uh, all the uh, software platforms we've built immersion with an i and you can find the app tuesday at besttuesdayever.com and if you want to reach out and chat with me you can uh, find me on there or linkedin of course is always easy so if they're uh, listeners of yours they're friends of mine so happy to interact with them paul zek everybody besttuesday.com thank you so much paul for this and uh, this will be not the last time that i ask you to come here thank you so much please come back soon what a avoid trying to do thousands of things that doesn't work we have 274 templates for your business success reach your ambitious goals with one-on-one -on -one sprint coach we double your revenue in 90 days